Good morning, everyone. It's your girl, Raya X, and you're tuning into Daily Hip Hop Exclusives on the Honorable DJ Metal Monkey Radio Show, bitch. All right, for our first topic is Lauren Hill's cousin facing jail time for owing her 70K. The financial issue between Lauren Hill and her cousin has hit a new level as Gerald Hill could possibly face jail time if he doesn't cough up his bank records. In an article posted by The Blast, a New Jersey judge found L. Boogie's cousin went against her rights by refusing to hand over his bank documents. He owes his cousin 70000 from a loan in which she claims never came in. According to a court order if the financial documents aren't handed in within 10 days a warrant for his arrest will be sent out this battle of the cousins has been going on since june 2018 when miss hill sued her relative for the 65,000 loan back in june the previous year a contract was signed stating he'd pay the money back by september 20 of 2017 and if it were paid before that date no interest would occur if he missed the deadline, a 10% simple annual interest would be added to the bill. Hill claims the repayment was not honored, which led to the Grammy Award-winning singer to sue her cousin for a breach of contract. She's looking for the original amount of 65000 paid to her plus attorney fees. Reportedly, he blew off the court date, causing more drama between him and the singer. In August of 2019, Hill was granted a default judgment of $72,000 $1,886.92. Okay, one thing I want to say about the whole situation with Lauren Hill um, suing her cousin for 70K, I just want to say that I think that's unnecessary personally. I think she has enough money that there's no need for her to be trying to sue her family. I think it's just a publicity stunt. But at the end of the day, she's going to get her money. You know what I'm saying? Lauren Hill is one of the most top female MCs of the decade. But um, yeah, with that being said, I personally think it didn't need to go to court. I personally believe they could have a conversation about it and they could have came up with some sort of payment plan if she couldn't pay it up front. I mean, family's family. You don't screw family over. You don't screw the ones that been, has always been there for you. Point blank, period. On to our next topic, Griselda Records unveils WWCD tracklist featuring Eminem, 50 Cent, Raekwon, and more. The Griselda Records crew has shared the cover art and tracklist for WWCD, What Would Chine Gun Do?, which is scheduled to drop on Black Friday, November 29th. Westside Gun Conway, The Machine, Benny the Butcher, and Derringer's de debut album for Shady Records will feature collaborations with Eminem, 50 Cent, and Raekwon, among others. The 13-track LP is named after the late Machine Gun Black, a.k.a. Chine Gun, Benny's half-brother and Westside's first cousin, who was murdered in Buffalo. Production is handed entirely by Derringer and Beat Butcher. It's actually like a real authentic all-around Griselda project. Conway told Hip Hop DX earlier this year, there's no other producers, no other nothing. It's just me, Derringer, Benny, Wes, and Beat. 
Butcher. We was in the studio for three days and made this album. It's the illest shit niggas going to hear for the year. Album of the year, hands down. The WWCD tracklist. Number one, Marcello intro featuring Raekwon. Two, Chef Dreads. Three, Moselle. Four, Cruiser Weight Coke. Five, Freddie Hotspot. Six, Dr. Birds. Seven, The Old Girl featuring no Novel. Eight, Scotties. Nine, Kennedy featuring Tiana Denise. Ten, City of the Map featuring 50 Cent. Eleven, Maystone featuring Keisha Plum. Twelve, Lowry, AA Outro. Thirteen, Bang Remix featuring Eminem. So one thing I would like to say about the record that um, Griselda Records is about to release, I personally believe that is going to be the album of the year. I mean, it has all the dopest MCs on the album. I believe I think everyone should go ahead and go check that out. Takashi 69's Houston Mall Assault Case reported dismissed. Houston, Texas, as Takashi 69 continues to sit behind the bars of a New York jail, one of his cases has reportedly been dismissed. According to TMZ, the state of the Tex of Texas formally requested 69's 2018 Houston assault case be thrown out and subsequently a judge signed off on it Monday, November 25th. The alleged victim, Santiago Alboron, claims the Gummo mastermind attacked him at the Galleria Mall last year. However, Alboron dropped the charges in October 2018 at the court hearing. Alboron and 6ix9ine posed for a photograph, making it clear the incident was water under the bridge. But there's another reason a judge decided to dismiss the case. Due to 6ix9ine's pending racketeering case, prosecutors believe transferring the controversial rapper to Texas is a security risk, especially since he became the government star witness during the trial. 6ix9ine is expected to be sentenced on December 18th due to his cooperation. It's possibly it's possible he won't receive any additional jail time. Takashi 6ix9ine was all smiles leaving a Houston courthouse on Thursday, October 18th. Santiago Alberin, the 16-year-old who accused 6ix9ine of attacking him at the Galleria Mall, showed up at court to essentially drop the pending assault charges. During the proceedings, Alberin reportedly made it clear he didn't want to prosecute the pol polarizing rapper. According to TMZ, Alberin told 6ix9ine's attorney Carl Moore, he wasn't interested in going through with the charges and let prosecutors know that as well afterward, the Brooklyn native and Alberin ran into each other in the hallway where they posed for a picture. A judge issued a warrant of 6 9 back in May following the alleged assault. 6 9 was apprehended at the JFK International Airport for two months later. Well, 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 if it isn't for 6 9 6969. This man has so many motherfucking cases. I don't even, I, I think I lost count. Other than the fact that this case has been dismissed, it doesn't change the fact that he's about to go to jail for life. I personally believe Takashi 69 is going to make the most money when he comes out of jail due to the fact that everyone has been talking about him for about three to four for about three to four weeks even after the incident has already happened. 
everyone's been talking about it nonstop. He is the star of the decade, considering that uh, he's been snitching. And I mean, he's popular now with all the memes. He's He's been talked about everywhere, down from people in politics, down from people in in the radio, down to people, even news reporters. He's all. I, all I'm gonna say is six nine. I'm so sorry that this has happened to you, man. But I mean, you put it on yourself, man. Now you're gonna have to deal with the consequences. Right. For the next topic, Tay-K criticizes his management and label for how he's portrayed in the media. Bexar County, Texas, Tay-K was sentenced to 55 years prison for his role in the 2016 murder of 21-year-old Ethan Walker, but he's not happy with how he's publicly perceived. After being indicted on another murder charge earlier this month, the incarcerated rapper called out his management and label for encouraging him not to speak out against his portrayal in the media via Twitter on Saturday, November 23rd. I want to apologize to all my fans and supporters for letting my management and label convince me that it wouldn't be a good decision to speak out against the way the media makes me look and the complete lies they spread out. He wrote, but I'm going to make sure the truth about my life and my character gets out with or without management or a label. And whoever don't like it, fuck you. Tay K, whose real name is Tay Moore Mc in Tyree signed with 88 Classic after his single The Race became a hit in 2017. He believes his team hasn't properly defended him in the media, so he plans to start addressing matters publicly with or without their approval. The way the media inaccurately portrays me has affected my life directly, he claimed. So instead of waiting on my team to get the bright idea to speak up on my, on my behalf, things will be done differently. Of course, I'm not perfect or nothing, but I'm most definitely not this monster that they try to portray me as. With that being said, I also apologize for the way I may have presented myself. I was young and inconsiderate. Tay-K is currently awaiting trial after being accused of killing Mark Anthony Salvador in San Antonio. The 19-year-old rapper allegedly shot Salvador during a robbery in 2017. Last August, Tay-K was transferred to Bexar County Jail following a murder and robbery conviction in Tarrant County, Texas. The Bexar County District Attorney's Office announced his indictment on a capital murder charge in November. Okay, so one thing I want to say about TK is I agree with him. I feel the need that he doesn't have to have his label fucking, you know, perceive him that way. Like, just, they just want him to look like a little motherfucking badass. And at the same time, like, he's been doing reckless ass shit. Maybe not as reckless as 6ix9ine with social media posts, but he's been doing a lot of reckless ass shit. And I personally believe, man, if you don't want your fucking label doing shit, man, leave they ass. Start your own shit. But it's kind of too late with him now. With this case, fucking career is over with, to be honest. Ain't shit left for that nigga. Ain't shit. He's about to do 55 years in prison. He is a young boy. 55 years? He's spending his whole motherfucking life in prison. Not 
not going to be able to live life. And then as soon as he gets out, he's not going to be able to know what to do with himself. He's not going to be able to understand how to do anything in life. And I feel bad. And I personally believe it's because of the people he surrounded himself with in his life. And I also, I don't want to blame music, but I kind of have to because music nowadays only talks about killing, robbing, having sex, drugs, money. That's the only thing that's important in music. And they portray that and they show that to these children. And that's why these kids are doing what the fuck they're doing in their, in their everyday life. But at the same time, I love to see a young nigga get paid. Because at the end of the day, I'm an artist myself. And I do trap music. It's all based upon what the parents are doing. The parents are choosing to let their children listen to the music. I'm not forcing these kids to listen to my music. None of these artists are forcing these kids to listen to their music. It's ju it just so happens that it's available to them. Because their parents have the option of not letting them fucking listen to the fucking shit. But they're choosing to let their kids do whatever the fuck they want. And then they wonder why the kids are doing what the fuck they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, parents are so quick to put the blame on something. But at the end of the day, you are allowing your kids to do whatever the fuck they please. You know what I'm saying? So stop trying to blame other motherfuckers for the stupid shit that you're fucking doing. Point blank, period. There's something terribly wrong. Americans are dying young at alarming rate. Death rates from suicide, drug overdose, liver disease, and dozens of other causes have been rising over the past decade for young and middle-aged adults, driving down overall life expectancy in the United States for three consecutive years, according to a strikingly bleak study published Tuesday that looked at the past six decades of mortality data. The report published in the Journal of the American Medical Association was immediately hailed by outside researchers for its comprehensive treatment of still enigmatic trend, the reversal of historical patterns in longevity. Despite spending more on health care than any other country, the United States has seen increasing mortality and falling life expectancy for people aged 25 to 64 who should be in the prime of their lives. In contrast, other wealthy nations have generally experienced continued progress in extending longevity, although earlier research emphasized rising mortality among non-Hispanic whites in the United States, the broad trend detailed in this study cuts across gender, racial, and ethnic lines. By age group, the highest relative jump in death rates from 2010 to 2017-29% has been among 25 ages 25 to 34. The findings are sure to fuel political debate about causes and potential solutions because the geography of rising death rates overlaps to a significant extent with states and regions that are hotly contested in the run-up to the 2020 presidential election. Drug crisis is pushing up death rates for almost all groups of Americans. About third of the estimated 33,000 excess 
deaths that the study says occurred since 2010 were in just four states. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and Indiana, the first two of which are critical swing states in presidential elections, the state with the biggest percentage rise in death rates among working-age people in this decade. 23.3% is New Hampshire, the first primary state. It's supposed to be going down at as it is in other countries, said the lead author of the report, Stephen H. Wolf. Director Emeritus of the Center of Society and Health at Virginia Commonwealth University. The fact that the number is climbing, there's something terribly wrong. He said many factors are at play. The opioid epidemic is a major driver of the worrisome numbers, but far from the sole cause. The study found that improvements in life expectancy largely because of the lower rates of the infant mortality began to slow in the 1980s, long before the opioid epidemic became a national tragedy. The 33,000 excess deaths are an estimated base on the number of all-cause midlife deaths from 2010 to 2017 that would be expected if mortality was unchanged versus the number of deaths actually recorded by medical examiners. Some of it may be due to obesity, some of it may be due to drug addiction, some of it may be due to distracted driving from cell phones, we'll shed. Given to the ver- Given the breadth and pervasiveness of the trend, it suggests that the cause has to be systematic. That there's some root cause that's causing adverse health across many different dimensions for working age adults. For the all-cause death rate, meaning deaths per 100,000 people rose 6% from 2010 to 2017 among working age people in the United States. A new divide in American death. Men overall have higher all-cause mortality than women, but the report pulls out some disturbing trends. Women are succumbing to diseases once far more common among men, even as men continue to die in greater absolute numbers. The risk of death from drug overdoses increased 486% for midlife women between 1999 and 2017. The risk increased 351% for men in that same period. Women also experienced a bigger relative increase in risk of suicide and alcohol-related liver disease. Increasing midlife mortality began among whites in 2010, Hispanics in 2011, and African Americans in 2014, the study states. Outside researchers praised the study for knitting together so much research into sweeping look at U.S. mortality trends. This report has universal relevance. It has broad implications for all the society, said Howard Coe, a professor of public health at Harvard University who was not part of the research team. The report reveals a broad erosion in health with no single smoking gun, said Elena Mera, a professor of the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy and Clinical Practice. There's something more fundamental about how people are feeling at some level, whether it's economic, whether it's stress, whether it's deterioration of family, she said. People are feeling worse about themselves and their futures, and that's leading them to do things that are self-destructive and not promoting health. 
the JAMA report looked at life expectancy and mortality across the country from 1959 through 2017. Final life expectancy numbers for 2018 will be released soon by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The general trend life expectancy improved a great deal for several decades, particularly in the 1970s, then slowed down, leveled off, and finally reversed course after 2014, decreasing three years in a row. U.S. life expectancy declines again, a dismal trend, not since seen World War One. The average life expectancy in the United States fell behind the that of other wealthy countries in 1999, I mean 1998, and since then the gap has grown steadily. Experts refer to this gap as the United States health disadvantage. There are some factors that manifest themselves only gradually, such as the effects of smoking, for example, in the late 1960s and early 70s. Cigarette companies aggressively marketed to women and the health effects of that push may not show up for decades. Princeton professors Ann Case and Angus Deaton, whose much-publicized report in 2015 highlighted the death rates in middle-aged whites, published a paper in 2017 pointing to a widening gap in health associated with levels of education, trend dating to the 1970s. Case told reporters their research showed a sea of despair in the United States among people with only a high school diploma or less. She declined to comment on the new report. Obesity is a significant part of the story. The average woman in the United States today weighs as much as the average man half a century ago. And men now weigh about 30 pounds more. Most people in the United States are overweight, as estimated 71.6% of the population aged 20 and older, according to the CDC. That figure includes the 39.8% who are obese, defined as having a body mass index of 30 or higher in adults. 18.5 to 25 is a normal range. Obesity is also rising in children. Nearly 19% of the population aged 2 to 19 is obese. These kids are acquiring obesity in their early teen years, sometimes under the age of 10, said SJ. Olshansky, a professor of public health at the University of Illinois in Chicago. When they get up in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, they're carrying the risk factors of obesity that were acquired when they were children. We didn't see that in previous generations. This isn't a one-time phenomenon. He added it's going to echo through time. U.S. life expectancy varies more than 20 years from county to county, risking alone deadly together. Overdosing on prescription drug combinations plays a part in growing rates of premature death among white women. One thing I want to say about this is drugs are available to anyone. I personally think people are dying from drugs due to the fact that they're not taking them the right way. You need to take them in moderation. I'm not encouraging people to do drugs, but if you do them, just do it in moderation. Because if you don't do it in moderation, and you just recklessly, recklessly take it, then obviously you're going to die. It's the same thing with kids being obese. There's so many goddamn fast food restaurants. People are getting lazy. Like, everything is easy to access. Everything. Drugs. Fucking junk food. Like, it's society putting kids in danger. If they want kids to be healthy, then they need to start 
selling food that's healthy. Like, why the fuck are you putting cancer in every motherfucking thing? And then they wonder why everybody's fucking dying. Everything that's available to us has cancer. Down to the food, down to the drinks, down to everything we fucking have. People are so quick to say, oh, stop smoking cigarettes, it has cancer. But everything you fucking eat and everything you fucking drink and everything in our everyday lives has cancer. People are recklessly dying. And these people do not give a fuck. If you want to change that shit, then put, then take out all the goddamn fast food industry and put some shit that's actually gonna fucking save it. Make products that actually are, make it natural. Stop trying to fucking kill us.